The Duly Noted Podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's. Cure your cravings. Stop in today or visit zaxby's.com and by Vistar Credit Union with locations across Gator Country. Visit vistarcu.org. This is Duly Noted. Everything Florida Gators with your host, Pat Duly. Okay, welcome into another edition of the Duly Noted Podcast. Uh, we promised you we would try to get on a regular schedule now. We started last Thursday. We'll have one today and then uh, next Tuesday, and then we get into the twice a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays. Hope you guys enjoy it. We're going to give you a double dose of guests today. I, I know that I uh, we talked about last week, uh, wasn't able to get anybody Everybody had something to do. Everybody's on vacation. But we're going to give you two for the price of one today. David Hyde from the South Florida Sun Sentinel, old friend of mine, is going to join us, and as well as George Schroeder, who uh, covers college football on a national basis for USA Today, also does a great job on Sirius XM. So they'll both be joining us in different spots, and we'll talk some college football with them. Uh, I am kind of worn out on uh, talking season uh, because it's just there, we're running out of things to talk about. There's just we. How many times can you say, "Well, here's here's the, their schedule, here's this, and here's that." Um, we're, but we're getting closer. We're almost there. And of course, there's a lot of news coming out all around the country. We'll get to some of that. Um, but certainly, Florida had its first scrimmage uh, on. Let's see, what would that have been Monday? And Coach Mullen talking today about it saying he's still looking for consistency. But look, if you if you are consistently good and you're great in your first scrimmage and on August 5th, um, you're probably peaking too early. So you want to build it up. But, you know, one thing he talked about is how they're really trying to build depth with all these guys, uh, these young players. And that depth has been challenged again. C.J. McWilliams goes out for the year with another Achilles I don't know if, if – and, again, I'm not questioning anything that, that uh, the strength coach is doing, okay? I think he's doing an amazing amazing job, and we saw it last year. And we see it when we look at these guys, just how much better shape they're in than they were under the previous administration. There's no doubt that uh, Savage, Nick Savage, is doing a tremendous job. But I wonder if the Achilles thing is maybe just fluky – Maybe it has something to do with uh, the field. Maybe they're making them too strong in that part of their bodies, not, are not strong enough. I think that's four and three years, right? Because it was uh, Marcel Harris, and then it was, obviously they lost David Reese, the younger, uh, this year, and now McWilliams. There was somebody else they lost. I'm, I'm going blank on. But uh, there have been a lot of those. But here's the thing. C.J. McWilliams – you know, people look at him and they all they can th- see is that Georgia game. He just got toasted in the Georgia game, and and later in the year he got toasted a little bit again. He d- he wasn't um, very good, but he was very young. And and this is a guy you felt like, all right, he's gone through it. You know, kind of the Anthony Lott thing. Anthony Lott, as a freshman playing cornerback, which is very difficult. They used to call him Antoast because he got beat so much. And, and guess what? He became a great player for Florida, uh, part of the national championship team, a big part of the national championship team. Became a lockdown corner 
Um, and you, I'm not saying C.J. McWilliams was going to become that, but you know it, it's another valuable member of uh, the depth that you lose. And here's the thing I keep going back to, and I know I'm making a bigger deal about their roster than anybody. It seems like it's only bothering me the way they keep – it keeps getting deteriorated, whether it's through the transfer portal or injuries or guys um, – you know, getting dismissed. I can't count. I'm not counting Jalen Jones as the transfer portal guy anymore. Okay, he's a he's a guy who was told to leave. But um, when you're kicking it off, and I and I touched on this last week in my column with Evan McPherson. You know, Evan was told, "Hey, um, you need to kick more of them through the end zone if you can, because we aren't going to be able to cover the way we did last year. Because last year you had guys who were trying to make a mark." Guys who were finding out, hey, if I run down on special teams and I'm really consistently putting the effort in, I'm going to get to play. You know, Damian Pierce found that out. Other players have found that out. The better I do on special teams, now you're going to get a bunch of guys who are freshmen running down there. And and here's the thing that I get concerned about. You know, you take a true freshman and he's out in the field and it's August 24th and Florida's just scored a touchdown to take the lead on Miami in the third quarter, okay? And it was an emotional touchdown, whether it was a long run or a long pass or pounding it in on fourth and one, whatever it was. And everybody's fired up, and the crowd, half the crowd, probably more than half the crowd, would think Florida would have more than half the crowd, is all fired up. And, and you're, you're a true freshman, and you're out there, and you're psyching the crowd up, and you're waving your arms, and you're told, stay in your lane. Go run down the field and stay in your lane. But you're running down the field and you're psyched up. And, man, I see the guy way over there. I'm going to go get him. And he cuts back right behind you where you're supposed to be. That's the kind of thing I think about it. And, again, I think it probably keeps coaches awake too. Uh, or maybe I'm making too big big a deal out of it. But, look, here's the thing. Guys like Kyra Elam, uh, Jaden Hill, Charles Kimbrough, they're going to have to play. And, and, and Mullen talked about that today. They're going to have to play. And they're going to have to uh, play well for Florida to have a good season. They're, this is a very young roster. Not as young as basketball, but it's a young roster. And, um, you know, I, I just think that's an issue. It's why, and I'm going to talk about this in a minute, I probably have Florida a little lower in my top 25 on the, as an AP voter than a lot of people do. Um, but, you know, again, this this – kind of comes with the territory when you see the warts. I don't know where people want to see Florida ranked if they're Gator fans, but it's where they're they're going to be ranked is, is almost irrelevant. This isn't the old BCS where you needed to be ranked at a certain level. Right? You know, it was hard to come from way back in the poll. Now it's a committee, so it really the, your ranking doesn't really, really matter. But some people, I would rather sneak up on teams, and Florida's not going to sneak up on anybody. All right, I'm going to get to my poll. I, I, I submitted it yesterday, and some other things that I want to talk about. I got a lot to talk about again, but we do have two special guests, and I want to get them both on. So right now we're going to take a break and bring on David Hyde. And then uh, then we'll talk about my poll. Then we'll bring on George Schroeder, and then we'll wrap it up. So we'll, there's a lot going on. It's a jam-packed, duly noted podcast. Hey, 
Bro, it's football season. You better you better get in football season shape. I'm not saying you got to get in shape. You got to get in football season shape, which means you better be ready for a lot of stuff going on and a lot of good things on this podcast, okay? We'll take a break and then we'll come back with more. At ViStar, we believe in better, especially in helping build a better financial future for our members. So we've reviewed our offerings from the ground up. We've lowered or eliminated over half our fees and enhanced our already competitive rates, saving members more than a million dollars this year, in addition to the millions we save them every year. If you believe that saving money is better, join ViStar. We never forget that it's your money. All loans subject to approval, insured by NCUA. I'm your host, Pat Dooley, from the Gainesville Sun and Gatorsports.com, and this is the Dooley Noted Podcast, presented by Zaxby's. Welcome back to the Dooley Noted Podcast. Appreciate everybody for clicking on, and it's my real pleasure to be joined by one of the best columnists in the country, not only the state, but David Hyde from the South Florida Sun Sentinel, the newspaper where I actually started my career. How about that? Did you know that? I, I didn't know that, Pat. That's uh, that's uh, got to be a good story to it, right? Uh, there's a lot of stories about my one year in Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> I can tell you that nineteen seventy six slash seventy seven. So uh, you can nothing's just, changed. <laughs> that's right. You can only imagine. Um, let's let's talk a little bit about the hurricanes, and I, I know that. Um, I'm curious what the vibe is. Now, you, you live in a city that's got a million things going on. You know, free agency with basketball. You, I, I allegedly, have, there's a baseball team down there somewhere. Um, <laughs> and you obviously, the Dolphins camp is probably, I would guess, the number one story. But uh, what, what kind of buzz does this Florida-Miami game get down in South Florida? You know, it's actually getting a pretty good buzz for a couple reasons. One is, yeah, there's a lot of teams down here, but nobody's winning. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, next team to win, uh, please turn on the lights and come back. Um, and the second reason is Manny Diaz has done a really good job of changing the narrative of the Hurricanes in the last, uh, what, eight months, mm-hmm. seven months. Yeah. And, um, you know, one of the big things he's did was erase the scoreboard of 35-3, to which was uh, Wisconsin mauling them the last time they played. So, um and and obviously uh, the other thing, Florida. Florida's top ten team, and and uh, interest in them, and the old rivalry, et cetera, et cetera. So we've had a game of consequence in South Florida since uh, I don't know the Heat. Uh, uh, got, <laughs> Ray Allen got hit that shot of the yeah. playoffs. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So it's been a while. So um, you know, I think I think uh, this this game's getting pretty good play. You know uh, the the. Narrative on Miami going into this season for a lot of people, and again, they're they're sneaking into a lot of bottoms of the top twenty-five. In fact, I, I voted them in the AP poll twenty-fifth in my poll. But is a great defense. They should be really good on defense. But offense, of course, was was awful last year. Um, a lot of people believe in Dan Enos. A lot of and I, I he think he's a great coach. A lot of people believe that Tate Martell will be a difference maker. Uh, but again, we're talking about an unknown there in Tate Martell. Um, but is that the feeling that, that they're going to be much better in offense just because they've got a different quarterback? That's the hope. Uh, I've been to a couple of their practices, and 
You, you want to you want a quarterback to announce himself more than him be announced as starter by the coach, and and and, and I don't see it. I don't see they have three guys getting almost equal time with the number one team, including Martell, Kosi Perry, who who started a lot last year, and Jaron Williams, who's going to transfer, and then didn't. Um, and you know we'll we'll see, but I and none of them to me, and in my limited time watching them in practice, has really announced themselves or to the writers or the coaches who see them every day um, either. So um, I, I mean, you you presented the good hope of Miami that Enos comes in with a new offense, and and it really needed a new offense, and now they got one a progressive offense, a new quarterback. Um, but oh man, there's so many holes. There's, you know, it's been fun off season. Manny Diaz did an incredible job, I thought, in 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 getting energy back into the program. But I don't think you progress from some of the holes in the roster they had last year to magically all of a sudden uh, everything's corrected. And 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 the, the toughest game on their schedule is the first one. Um, you look at the rest of their schedule; they don't play anybody really uh, above mediocre, and and so, um, but the first game out is going um, to be to expect them to have all of a sudden covered up. Look, they're starting a true freshman at left tackle. Their offensive line is a mishmash of what is it, and what's Florida's strength? The front seven, right? And and that that will be a telling point if they can. If Tate Martell or whoever's back there isn't running for their life, that would be a good start for Miami. Yeah, you could end up with a 9-6 game because Florida's obviously got an issue with their offensive line, which is all new. And, and we all know Miami's defense, those three linebackers, I think mm-hmm. they were I think they were there back when all three when there was a big three in the state of Florida. Uh, <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, Absolutely. It, it, they've been there forever and uh you know, obviously they've gotten a lot of guys too uh, through the transfer portal. They took advantage of it uh, probably as, as well as any team in the country. And that's going to be an interesting to see how they all mesh together. Yeah, and it it's telling they think they got something what's it, the the Buffalo receiver Osborne was their offensive representative to the ACC media day, which, okay, comes in the tra- – think about that, transfer yeah. portal. Usually you send somebody like that just so everybody's aware who's representative of who you are a pro- in your program um, and, you know, a, a standout usually. And so this guy comes in, and in six months he's their offensive representative of the ACC meetings. They got a couple defensive linemen they're expecting to help out. Um, through the portal now, and part of that is the real problem Miami's had, and it's not unique to Miami, is they got guys playing too early because they don't have much depth on the on the program in the last several years, and then they're leaving to the pros too early. They had several guys leave, and and yet none of them were drafted above uh, the third round. And so, you know, a couple guy guy who could have helped on the offensive line wasn't even drafted. I mean, they they. So um, what Manny probably his best thing he did right out the bat was something you mentioned. He recruited those three linebackers to all come back. You know, a couple of them could have gone into the draft and, you know, sure. been third-round picks. But so, you know, you know, I'm curious to see what this new Miami, which was another Manny invention, the new Miami, how it looks here. Last thing for you, and we appreciate the time, Dave. Um, I'm going to write a column next week about 
this rivalry because it is a generational rivalry. In other words, it probably depends on when you were born as to how you look at Florida-Miami. If you're a millennial, you didn't even know they ever played each other. You're wondering what the big deal is about. But, I mean, for, for guys who grew up in the, you know, obviously during the Florida flop, I mean, this is a team that <laughs> that ruined Spurrier's Heisman ceremony by beating him the next year. Um, you had the uh, certainly the, the crazy games of the 80s when both teams – there for a while were unbelievable. Florida beats them the year they win the national championship. It was an intense, amazing rivalry, and they played six times in 31 years, but you've lived through it. Uh, kind of li- tell my listeners exactly how fierce this rivalry was at one time. Yeah, you're, you're, you're right. It's a wa- weird rivalry. Yeah, Brock Berlin. Yeah. <laughs> you know, playing for Florida and then coming here and uh, beating Florida. And, and so, um, you know, Miami's been up for a while, then Florida was up for a while, then Miami was up, you know, we're talking nationally again. Um, and yet, I agree with you, for anybody who's born in the last, you know, anybody in college now, this, there's nothing there for them to, to really base this rivalry on. I, you know what, I, it, it's a fan's rivalry, you know, people in the office, because especially in South Florida, so many people went to Florida. Um, and then you have the Miami uh um, obviously, foundation here, but um, it, it's. I think it's more of a fans' rivalry here right now than it is anything inside the programs, because really nobody in the programs have much basis for it being a rivalry. Absolutely, David. It's, uh, it's a great pleasure. We'll take a break. We'll come right back with more here on the Duly Noted Podcast at GatorSports.com. I'm your host Pat Dooley from the Gainesville Sun and GatorSports.com, and this is a duly noted podcast presented by Zaxby's. Okay, thanks so much to Dave Hyde. Um, you know, it, yeah, but I could tell a lot of stories about my one year in Fort Lauderdale. It's It was, it, it shaped me as a person in a lot of ways. And a guy named John Wolin really shaped me as a person, shaped me as a sports writer. I was a, I wasn't much. It may not be much now. A lot of people, I'm sure, believe I should retire but uh, I, he kind of got me on the right track, and, you know, I think it's been a fun career. Let's just put it that way. All right, my poll. Here's what's funny. So on Monday, I'm sitting there, and I'm going, you know what? I need to make a rough draft of what I think my poll's going to look like. I'm, I still haven't heard from anybody about when I need to submit it. Well, it turns out um, I – for some reason, I didn't get the email, and I get a text from Ralph Russo from Associated Press saying, hey, the the voting's closed. We want to get your poll, though. Uh, email it to me. I'm like, holy cow. So I went to the computer, and I already had it, rough draft. But I hadn't thought it, been able to think some of it through, but I had to get it in. And the number one thing, I hadn't really – wasn't 100% – convinced but I, I had to go with it and I and I, I still feel okay about it is voting Alabama number one over Clemson and it, and it's like I said in my column it wasn't to be different it's just that I think Nick Saban's ticked off I think they still got one of the two best quarterbacks in the country they've got great players up and down the roster there's no question about it they recruit at such a high level they had a number one recruiting class this year they're, they're loaded with players, and their schedule's pretty soft. Now, they do have to play, um, obviously, the West, but the East, they get South Carolina and Tennessee. They, their openers against Duke, which 
by the way, I, I don't know if I mentioned this on an earlier podcast. One of the craziest things I heard at SEC Media Days was Paul Feinbaum was interviewing Gary Stoken from the Peach Bowl, and he was Feinbaum was grilling him pretty good about why you would schedule Duke for that game. And he said, well, we didn't know Daniel Jones was going to turn pro. And then Feinbaum comes back and goes, well, when did you schedule the game? He goes, three years ago. <laughs> you didn't know who Daniel Jones was three years ago. So that was I, – I don't understand the Duke thing, but uh, whatever. It's not going to be that well thought of a game. My point being, if I had to pen one team in to the playoff, it would probably be Alabama. And Clemson would be the second team. If I'm writing a list and I got to bet money on four teams to get in, Alabama would be the first one I put in. So I voted Alabama first. And you're probably wondering what I did with the Gators. Um, again, like I said, it's not that big a deal. But I do – I enjoy voting on it. I enjoy seeing where people vote on it, where, where they pick teams. Um but that's the old school in me. I mean, I'm a guy who grew up with the AP poll was a huge deal. I mean, the AP poll, you got voted in to, to be national champs. You know, you didn't. There was no, there was no playoff. Sometimes going back way back, the the national champ was crowned before the bowl games, and there weren't many bowl games. But the AP poll, in fact, I remember in '96 after the um, after Florida beat FSU in the Sugar Bowl which technically would have been 1997, but Steve Spurrier was even saying, you know, we're going to get, we're going to be number one, right? We're, they were, there was no guarantee the Gators were going to be national champs, even though they clearly won it. They had events their only loss. They had destroyed the team that they, that beat them by three. There was no question that we were going to, the AP voters, I wasn't an AP voter then, we're going to vote Florida number one, but you still had to get voted before you were in. So, um, so I do enjoy voting on it. Uh, I did have Florida 11th. Now, some of you were saying, oh, Dooley, come on, man. The Gators are a top 10 team. I don't think they are. I think they could be. I think there's a, the potential is there for this to be a really good team. And I've said this over and over again. The roster concerns me. The youth concerns me in some areas. I'm less concerned about the offensive line as long as it stays healthy because I believe in what Dan Mullen is saying. And what he keeps saying over and over again is that they really like their five. It's six, seven, and eight that they're worried about. Uh, So they've got to stay healthy there. Um, But again, 11 – it's, that's still everybody else got him in the top ten. Most people have him. The consensus seems to be to pick him eighth. In fact, I saw CBS came out and had them eighth. Uh, they had Miami twenty third. I put Miami twenty fifth. Uh, I was toying with the idea of not voting. Here's the funny thing, though. I get done with it, and because it was a rough draft, I hadn't really thought a lot of it through. And about thirty minutes later, I'm like, "Holy crap! I think I left Auburn off the list." I think I left them completely out. Now, I don't – I think – I have a hard time with Auburn. Auburn and LSU are the two teams that I just – I can't wrap my, my head around yet. I want to see them play those first two games. The first two weeks are – well, I'm, again, I'm not going to call it week zero. 
I had a reader uh, suggest that we call it Week Zulu, and I'm li- I'll, I'll do that. It's going to be called Week Zulu, and then you have Week One and Week Two. The trouble is, you can't call it Week One when Florida plays Miami, because then what is it the next week? Is it really Week Two? Yeah, it's it's a bunch of semantics, but. I had to go back. I called him. I said, hey, I, I made a huge mistake. I got to have Auburn in here. And uh, he said, well, redo it. Send it to me again. So I did. And I don't have him that high. I think I got him around 18 or 19, something like that. I, I'm not sold on Auburn, but I, they certainly deserve to be and belong in the top 25. Um, interesting, CBS did the entire 130, which I thought I, was it's cool. I don't know how much – Really, you know about the top, really all 130 teams. But the 130th team is UTEP, in case you were wondering. And you probably weren't. You know who, uh, where Central Michigan is, 10, I'm sorry, 115. A new home of Brian Edwards, who has decided to transfer to beat with Jim McElwain. He loves him so much. (laughs) <laughs> which is amazing. Uh, I, I'm always curious to see the bottom-ranked team in uh, from a Power 5 conference. That would be your Oregon State Beavers at 108. It's been a long time since they've been good, isn't it? Um, some other news. Um, Anthony Schwartz from Auburn broke his hand. That's a blow for them a little bit. I, I Again, this goes back to my Auburn. I just don't know. Uh, Brenton Cox transferring, getting the transfer portal. He was a, a big-time uh, recruit for Georgia. Um, was sus- He had some issues with marijuana possession. He's going to be suspended for the opener. I decided to get out. Uh, Jay Sean Jones towards ACL. He's a Maryland wide receiver, good player. So they take a blow. Um, so, you know, that's that's where we are. But it, it, this is – like I've always said, camp, summer, all that, no good news can come out of it. And the reason is because we don't really know. You don't know. I don't know. We know what the coaches are telling us. There are limited opportunities to watch them practice. But we really don't know whether anything is going well. For all we know, Felipe Franks has been throwing the ball in the dirt. We don't know. I mean, you can watch him play with nobody rushing him. Maybe in the scrimmage last night he couldn't hit anything. There was a report out there that Trent Whittemore had a big day, had a couple touchdown catches, and good for him. Um, Coach Mullen talked about, uh, I believe it was Josh Hammond, dropped a wide-open pass that would have been a touchdown and then went up and caught it, another pass over two guys. And he said, that's what I'm talking about, lack of consistency, be consistent, and that's what you're going for. So um, we'll see as we go forward. Um, You know – I'm going to bring this one thing up. This could be a whole segment, but I'm just going to blow past it quickly because I forgot to bring it up earlier after SEC Media Days. And that was we talked to Steve Shaw, who, of course, is the head of uh, officials for the SEC. And there was some interesting stuff about targeting. I think you'll see less targeting called this year um, because you really have to have three things that, that happen. You have to lead with the crown of your helmet. Now oh, I forgot the three things. Oh, you got to launch yourself. And there's the third thing. Anyway, for it to be confirmed, there's no stand anymore. You don't let let it stand. It's either just confirmed or not confirmed. Okay, or uh, overturned. Confirmed or overturned. No, there's no stand. So you got to have it. 
And that was a really interesting uh, presentation he gave. But the one thing I wanted to ask him, if I should have gotten him alone to ask us, is my concern about the inconsistency with what you call when it comes to celebrating. Why did I pronounce it that way? Celebrating. 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 And here's why. If you remember the running back from Tennessee, Kelly, who was great player, John Kelly, scored a touchdown, I believe it was to tie the game or give – no, it was to give It was to give uh, Tennessee the lead before the Callaway play, right? I think I'm getting all this right. And did the Gator chomp after he scored the touchdown and got a 15-yard penalty. Uh, since then, I've seen other players do it and not get penalized. If you remember back – and this goes back to the 08 National Championship game, Lewis Murphy – Caught a pass, got a first down, got up and signaled first down, got penalized. I see it happen all the time where they don't get penalized. In that same game, Tim Tebow took his helmet off because of the whistle that he thought he heard. And you can see, read Bobby Stoops screaming about, uh, he took his helmet off. I know these are ancient things and, and not things to be concerned about, but I'm always curious what is a penalty and what is it? And I think it changes from conference to conference what they're going to call and what they're not going to call. And I, I just would like to get everybody on the same page and here is exactly what will be and won't be called. I think the lack of consistency in college football officiating from conference to conference, from game to game, from officials to officials, is still the, my number one concern with officiating. It's not that you missed a holding call or, you know, Evan McPherson's field goal against Kentucky, which we all think was good, but the referee didn't see it that way. Okay, that's not a lack of consistency. That's just maybe you didn't see it right, or maybe maybe it didn't go in between the goalposts, okay? All that's arguable. But you can do one thing here, and it's a penalty, and one thing here, and it's not a penalty. That that's why that's where I get a little bit flustered. Uh, one other thing before we bring on George Schroeder from uh, USA Today, I put in my column today. I, I just decided to have this contest: winners of the divisions, pick all nine, and we'll we'll. Well, I don't have a prize to give away, but you have bragging rights. I think I'm pretty full. I might have a spot for one more if you want to get it in and send it to me on email. Uh, I'm already regretting some of my picks. All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back with George Schroeder. USA Today does a great job covering college football for them here on the Duly Noted Podcast. I'm your host, Pat Dooley from the Gainesville Sun and Gatorsports.com, and this is the Duly Noted Podcast presented by Zaxby's. All right, welcome back to the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. We told you we're going to give you two for the money today, and we now are joined by the great George Schroeder from USA Today. And, man, he does a great job if you've heard him on Sirius XM. Um, I listen to it all the time. You're on with just about everybody. I mean, Andy Staples and all these other guys. I mean, it they keep you hopping over there, don't they? Yeah, it's been a really cool opportunity i think because you know i cover football on a national basis they just sort of said hey not only do we have espnu channel 84 which is you know sort of the overarching college sports channel but we've got these five power five conference channels that all came online at some point over the last year and a half or so and they basically just you know throw me on one of those when they need a a co-host and so 
it, it'll stretch you a little bit, Pat. I'll tell you that sometimes <laughs> to have to figure out how am I going to talk about the Pac-12 today. But uh, and I'm not taking shots at the Pac-12, but. Uh, <laughs> But it's but it's been fun and a great opportunity. So thank you for saying that. Uh, well, let's take shots at the Pac-12. Let's start with them. I mean, <laughs> the, the the consensus is if Oregon loses to Auburn, it's over for them. They're out of the playoff. I mean, I don't think that's technically true, but certainly it would not be a good look for them. They they really need that win, don't they, as a conference? Well, they do, and there are two or three other wins that they could could use in September that are probably a little less likely. I don't think anybody thinks, you know, the UCLA, I don't know if it's week two or week three when Oklahoma comes out to Pasadena, that UCLA is ready under Chip Kelly to compete with Lincoln Riley's bunch. But some games like that, um, you know, some of the traditional Notre Dame matchups with the Stanfords and USC's of the world are going to be important. Uh, I don't think that the Oregon-Auburn is the be-all, end-all that Washington-Auburn was seen as last year. Uh, on two levels, one, I think depending on what Auburn does after the afterwards, you know, if, if they end up having a, a decent season, that Oregon could overcome a loss if it ends up running the table. I'm not saying that Oregon would be good enough to run the table if they lose, but if it's a competitive loss and they run the table, I think 12 and one Oregon would look pretty good to the committee. Obviously, it all depends on what are the other conference champions look like and that kind of thing. Uh, and then the second thing I would say is a year ago it was pretty clear Washington looked like the only hope. And, and I actually think the committee whiffed on Washington State down the down the stretch and didn't understand how good that team was. It should have at least been a New Year's Six team. But Washington was seen as the only hope in the Pac-12, and I think it was largely correct. This year, I feel like you know, if Oregon loses, that's a bad sort of ding to the conference's reputation, which already has a bunch of you know dents and, and things like that, scratches. But I think you've got Washington potentially, and I think you. And then there's a team out of the South, Utah, that nobody yeah. really is talking about. That has a tremendous defensive line, that I think has a chance to sort of run up a really nice record. And I think either of those two would at least have a shot um, of of maybe doing something. So so it feels like there's more than one sort of great hope. But I, I don't disagree really with the main premise, which is for the Pac-12 and for Oregon. The Ducks need to try to find a way to beat Auburn. Well, I want to get to the SEC, but first the ACC. I mean, obviously, everybody's picking Clemson number one. Um, you know, even people who want to be different. Like, I actually picked Alabama number one of my AP poll just because I think Nick's mad. But um, yeah. this Clemson team, is there any stopping it? I mean, is there any way they could fall off and lose, like, oh, my God, two games? Not in this, not in this year's version of the ACC. I don't think so. I'm not sure how they lose one game in the uh, this year's version of the ACC, barring barring injuries and things we don't want to happen. Obviously, never want to see that. Uh, they're just much that much better than the rest of the league. This is, you know, a couple of years ago, I think the ACC had gotten pretty salty, kind of with mid level type teams, and it feels like they've dropped off a little bit. Now, sometimes that changes over the course of a year, and all our expectations turn out to be wrong, but. Uh, you know, the one thing I would say about Clemson is uh, they are replacing a ton of talent on that defensive front. Now, I, they recruited really, really well, and they're really confident they're going to be really good there still. But that was a defensive front, at least in recent times, kind of for the ages. And it wasn't just the production. It was also the leadership on that line that they have to replace, too. On the other hand, it feels like if they give up another touchdown or two, they're going to score another three or four, doesn't it? With yeah. as good as they've got with Trevor Lawrence, starting with Trevor Lawrence, but with, with just all the weapons they have on offense. So 
I don't really see it. Um, I don't really see them losing. I don't see any way they could lose two games unless and until it's somewhere in the playoffs. Do you think it, it, it's bad for college football to have Clemson, Alabama all the time? I mean, it's still the game everybody wants to see, but at the same time, nobody wants to see because they've seen it over and over again. Um, I'm kind of torn back and forth on that, but college football, that, that's not why attendance is down in college football. It has nothing to do with that. No. Listen, is there Alabama-Clemson fatigue, Clemson-Alabama fatigue? I think there is. Uh, but if you want to do something about it, beat them. Georgia, beat them Florida, yeah. beat them Oklahoma, beat them Ohio State. You know, insert team here. Uh, and that hadn't happened. Beat them Notre Dame. Uh, now, that would create a whole other kind of situation in college football. But, you know, I, I'm not one of those. Would I like to see some fresh blood in there just for different storylines? Absolutely. I think it would be fun for us. Maybe that would be fun for the fans, too. But I'm also not a person who you have to appreciate how good those programs are and what a level of football they're able to play um, when they meet each other. And I think that's important. Um, The one thing I would say is, as it relates to the SEC, it would be nice, I think, for the SEC to see someone other than Alabama. Uh, Obviously, you had Georgia win the SEC a couple of years ago, uh, but then Alabama got in the playoff and and won the title that year, beating Georgia. Uh, It would be nice to see someone knock off Alabama. And I think this year's SEC West at least has the opportunity for some teams that can knock them off. And so if if an LSU, and not necessarily in this order, an LSU or Texas A&M or Auburn were to knock those guys off, Alabama probably still going to win that division. But then if Georgia or you know, I'll go ahead and say Florida. If somebody could beat them in the title game, that two-loss Alabama team that didn't win a, t- a conference title is not getting in the playoff, that would actually be a good thing for the SEC. Because but, presumably the other team would be getting in the playoffs. Right. So it's not like the SEC would be getting excluded. Uh, I, I, is that a, is that a uh, tough scenario to make happen? Absolutely, as good as they've been. But I don't think it'd be a bad thing overall for the SEC. I, I've had a hard time with the SEC trying to figure teams out other than Alabama and other than Georgia. And that includes Florida, because I think Florida might be really good. They might struggle a little bit because of of the lack of depth in some areas. But the team I'm totally flummoxed by is LSU. They might win the whole thing this year. And yet they could do what LSU always does, especially under under Ed Ogeron, which is not – Find a way to lose a game you think they were going to win and never be able to beat Alabama. What, what's your take on LSU? Well, listen, you know, they, they won all those games last year and they, they, you know, got back to a New Year's Six Bowl and they, uh, you know, obviously beat UCF, which made a lot of people in the SEC happy. And that, that uh, it was a very good year. And think back to what people were thinking about Ed Ogeron this time last year. August of, of 2018, they were like, I'm not sure this is going to work. And there had been some off-season turmoil, uh, you know, inside the coaching um, staff rooms and, and, and among players, off-field incidents and things like that. And people weren't really sure it was going to work. And, and then they, you know, they, they somehow overcame what looked like they were on the ropes at Auburn uh, and about to get blown out. Mm-hmm. They came back and won on a field goal, and they did a bunch of good things. All that said, and Joe Burrow is a, it gave them kind of an answer quarterback. I also don't think Joe Burrow was a world beater. Maybe he'll be better this year. Maybe their offense is going to be finally, with the you know addition of passing coordinator Joe Brady from the Saints, maybe they're finally going to be what they promise, it seems like, every year, this wide-open offense that sort of emerges from the Stone Age. Until that happens, I don't know that we can – 
get fired up about LSU, or I, I can't. And, and here's the other thing. Until they find a way to beat Alabama, and they haven't been competitive with Alabama recently, really, uh, and that's not completely true, but last year, of course, is the one I'm talking about. They were all fired up about this matchup with Alabama, and you get shut out on your home, on your home field. 29 nothing. That That's not a good look. Until they can find a way to beat Alabama, it's hard to really – get fully aboard the LSU train, whether we're talking about Coach O or or, or what. So yeah. uh, I guess I'm in a wait-and-see mode. Prove it to me. Sure. Yeah, and that, that second game against Texas is, is, no is question. The, first, the first opportunity they have to do that. Um, George, one quick question before we let you go. Uh, in 2027, do we have an 18 playoff? The, the TV contract will have run out. Yeah, 2027, we, I think we have an 18 playoff. I'm not, I'm not sure that we have it before the 12-year uh, contract runs out, Pat, because, in fact, I think it, it's, it's, less, it's going to happen, but I think it's less likely to happen before the contract runs out than it is to happen right sort of as the contract runs out or the next year. So it wouldn't surprise me. You know, we're about to enter the sixth year of the 12-year deal, so we're not quite halfway through. When they when they crown the champion, uh, you know, at, in New Orleans this year, we'll be halfway through that deal. Um, there was a time when I thought that about halfway through they might go to eight, and now I think it's probably one or two years off from now we'll start really hearing, like, how do we move to eight? And then I'm not sure, but it's possible you go all the way through the 12 before they – before they had it all figured out and, and kind of ready to roll out. So uh, long answer to your short question, but yes, I think we'll go to eight by that. And I don't know that that solves all the problems in college football either. I think it's going to present a whole new set of problems. But I do think it'll be good for college football in a couple of ways, including making conference championships mean something, which I think is a good thing. Uh, and, um, you, you know, and – you know, we'll see whatever else it means. I, I don't think it'll hurt the SEC at all because I think they're quite, you know, quite often if the level of play remains what it is now, quite often going to have a second team in. In that case, when it's a lot harder to see that happening now. So much thanks to George Schroeder from USA Today for joining us here on the show. We'll take a break and we'll be right back more with the duly noted podcast at GatorSports.com. I'm your host Pat Dooley from the Gainesville Sun and GatorSports.com, and this is a duly noted podcast presented by Zaxby's. All right, thanks to George. Uh, man, how long – can I keep talking for a while here? Because I, I love doing this and I love doing the podcast and I hope everybody enjoys it as much as I love doing it. And I know there's a lot of people out there who enjoy it. I know sometimes it sounds like I'm breathing heavily. This mic picks up every little noise. We just had to uh, actually go down there. There was a – a recycling truck that had his its backup beeper going and we had to go make him shut it off because you could hear it through the windows we're trying to make it as good as possible at some point we're going to move it into a different office and hopefully that'll be even better sound quality um you know it, it's interesting with george i asked george about the playoff going to eight it seems more and more like we're definitely going to see that. And, and I, you know, I hope it happens in my lifetime. Yes, I do hope to live another seven years. I would love to see an 18 playoff at some point in my lifetime. And I think it'll be great. Now, like he said, it ain't going to solve all the problems. The number nine team is going to be screaming. 
Oh, my God. Can you imagine if UCF is number nine? They will be screaming from the rafters. I'm just about, by the way, this between me and you, I just about had it with Danny White's annex. I don't know what, you know. Oh, no. we Now we're ready to play a two-for-one, but it's got to be at our stadium. One game has to be at our stadium. Okay. Florida's fine with that. They never said that they didn't want it. I just don't think he wants to play Florida, to be honest with you. Um, but here's the thing. Everybody's got a plan. That is going to be the bottom line. It's going to happen. It's going to happen eventually. It'll likely not happen until they get through the contract. But when they do, then you got to figure out how to do it. Now, everybody's got a plan. You know, Joe down at the convenience store has got, I got a plan. Here's the perfect way to do an 18 playoff. You take the five conference champions and three at larges. Are you and uh, we're gonna let the conf- the um, AAC uh, conference champion get in too. Well, so six and two. No, we're gonna do. We're just gonna do the eight best teams. How about that? That'd be a novel idea. We're gonna let the eight best teams get in. I don't. I don't care if the Pac-12 still gets left out. And personally, I don't. For if you've got an eight and four Pac-12 champion, why should they be in a playoff? Now, we're not talking about 68 teams like basketball where you get teams in that are 13 and 19. We're talking about elite-level teams playing for a championship. Eight teams. I I personally would like to just see them do eight teams, the best eight teams. The committee gets together. Here they are. But I don't think that'll happen. And I do think it'll be on campus the first round. I just think it's too much to expect players to travel. But but think about it. Okay, if you go on the road for that first game, you're going to be traveling for three weeks. So maybe, I don't know. There's a lot of things to consider here. But I think we're going to see it happen. All right, it's time for three things. It's time for three things. All right, number one, it's funny how NFL's talking season is so different from college football's talking season. The NFL's talking season is full of news. It's constant. Ezekiel Elliott's not going to play unless he gets a contract. Uh, Crabtree can't get a contract worked out. Um, these guys are looking great. You, you got And you have actual games. You wonder why the NFL's number one? They know what they're doing. Now, It doesn't mean it's better than college football. I personally don't think it is. But they're smarter than college football. And again, we're dealing with professionals versus amateurs. We're dealing with college students versus people who get paid for a living. And I understand that. But look, we're heading towards that with college football. anyway. If you don't think that we're going to get to that point where they start to get paid, I I don't agree with it. I I don't still nobody's ever been able to show me a plan that works. But I, at some point, it's going to happen. And I hope that we get to that point where I would like to see scrimmages between teams. It'll happen. But the NFL is so much more interesting. And again, part of it is because there are games, even though some of the games are unwatchable. Uh, number two, uh, I saw this stat today, and I, it pained me because the Braves lost Monday night on a two-run homer 
in the bottom of the ninth because apparently there is a some kind of an Indian burial ground underneath uh, whatever stadium they're playing in. They, they're so jinxed. They they do everything we ask them to do as far as getting a new bullpen. Bring in the new bullpen. What do they do? Blown save, blown save, blown save, loss, loss. Come on, man. But uh, the stack is amazing. And you know how many all, – all they do now is go for home runs. Nobody ever bunts. Nobody ever tries to advance runs. All, everybody tries to do is hit home runs. That's the way um, Major League Baseball has become. The Twins are on pace to break the all-time record for homers in a season held by the Yankees last year. This is where baseball is. I don't know if the balls are juiced. Was it Verlander that said they were juiced? Maybe they are. Um, But everybody swings so freaking hard, trying to hit the ball so hard. Hey, the beeper's on, going on again. All right, if you can hear that, that's what we were dealing with earlier. So I'm going to wrap it up here with number three. I got a, a movie recommendation for you. I watched this. I had no idea this movie existed. Um, it's called Nowhere Boy. It's about John Lennon's teenage years and the battle between his mom and his Aunt, Aunt Mimi, who you maybe have heard about. I learned so much in that movie, and at one point I said, this can't be true. This all can't be true. How could I have not known all this stuff? I mean, I knew she died in a car accident I, or went get hit by a car, uh, his mom, and I knew she gave him up. I did not know a lot of it, though. Uh, I highly recommend it. It's on Netflix. Go watch it. We're going to get out of here so the beeping will go away and get out of my ears. I hope you guys have enjoyed this duly noted podcast. I know it may have been a little long. We will be back with another podcast next week, next Tuesday, and then the following week, Tuesday and Thursday, that, that schedule starts. So... Um, you'll get a daily, not a daily, but a, certainly a plenty of duly noted. You can get off the treadmill now. Till next time, I'm Pat Dooley, sports columnist of the Gainesville Sun. I'm deep. I'm way back, and I am out of here. The Duly Noted Podcast is presented by Zaxby's. Cure your cravings. Stop in today or visit Zaxby's.com and by Vistar Credit Union with locations across Gator Country. Visit ViStarCU.org.